This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, and I mentor space holders, kin keepers, and circle facilitators to be catalysts for belonging in their communities while also generously resourcing themselves at the same time. I am also a mother and land steward of a farm on the ancestral lands of the Mohican people in the present day Hudson Valley of New York. In this podcast, I explore topics like cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living, ritual and rites of passage, and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, and elders to help support you in reorienting your life towards a legacy of regeneration and reconnection that breathes life into future generations. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life. You can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas, face your beliefs and what systems informed them, get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things, and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. For show notes and links mentioned in these episodes, and to sign up for Slow and Seasonal, my once-in-a-while email newsletter, head to beccapiastrelli.com. Hello, and welcome to the Belonging Podcast. After a six-month hiatus, it's Becca Piastrelli here, coming to you from my new farm home in the Hudson Valley, New York, recording from my new office, which is my bedroom (laughs) in the little cottage we're staying on. Um, We bought a farm, as you may or may not know, and we're renovating a 160-year-old farmhouse. That is a whole topic for another day about how massive an undertaking that is. And we are lucky enough to be able to not live in construction and live in this little cottage. It's called a caretaker's cottage. This used to be a like many thousand acre dairy farm and it's been parceled off now and it's what remains is like 56 acres and the cottage is here. And so we are living here on the farm and it it has tiny hobbit ceilings and I made my little office in the corner next to the bed and I dug my podcast microphone out because I felt the call in the dead of winter. I felt the call to speak again. So If you're a long-time listener, I really appreciate you coming back to listen. You're listening right now. It's like podcast city out there, and it's just so wonderful. I made the announcement on Instagram that I was ready to come back, and I have never received so many DMs on one topic, except maybe when I was talking about postpartum. And it's, it's so lovely to hear that so many of you really enjoy listening to this podcast. And this podcast is growing with me. I started it five years ago, maybe six now. uh, And I was a completely different person because we as human beings are shedding cells and having new ones and learning and growing and going through different seasons and cycles of life. And so of course, the podcast about belonging would be going through the same thing too. So here I am 
in a new iteration, checking in with you and saying, I'm back. And in many ways, I'm new. So I wanted to give you a few updates because I know that a lot of y'all are curious about my life. And I feel, I've, I've felt hesitant at times. I still do to share so much about my life for many reasons. One, I, I do this podcast as a part of my business. And I want to, first of all, share my skill set, my expertise, my curiosities, and my story, not from a place of like commodifying my life. Uh, and also, as I've gotten older, as someone who's always been quite extroverted and always wanted to share about my life, I'm a talker outer. I love to share. I'm a Leo son. I love to be seen and be visible. As I get older, probably from having a child, probably from being more visible after writing a book and getting a following, I've, I've felt the desire to be a bit more private at times. Also had the experience of very public criticism. Uh, and so I'm trying to titrate, to use a somatic term, or just check in with myself on how much I'm comfortable sharing and when. So here I'm talking to you in full on winter here in the Hudson Valley of New York. We had our first big snowfall a few days ago when I'm recording this and everyone was quite concerned. Oh, I love weather talk so much and I love weather talk in a place that has four true seasons as I know them to be. And also in a farm, when I live on a farm and a lot of people I interact with are tending land or animals in some way. Weather talk is like deeply important. And there was a lot of concern this winter that people who have lived here over time have said there's less and less snow. This is the reality of climate change. And it's also less and less cold enough for waters to freeze and for the ground to freeze. And a lot of people who are tending plants that create crop that they either sell or feed to animals have noticed a shift in that, which can sometimes be devastating for their economic livelihood or for what they're expecting in their lives. So I noticed it was warm a few weeks ago and we hadn't had any meaningful snow and there was bud break on some of the plants here on the land. We have many lilacs. A few owners ago planted like every lilac plant in the world, which is a very interesting thing. I'm not sure how I feel about, but I love lilacs, so it feels kind of spiritual. But I saw some bud break, which felt like, uh-oh, bud break in early January doesn't seem quite what we're used to. And also, we work with a farming partner here on the land. A lot of people ask me, how how are you farming animals? Like when you just move from suburban California, like do you, do you, are you familiar with animal husbandry? And I'm just going to say backyard chickens, yes. But one of the magical things about buying this farm is it came with a partnership with a local farming family who we are in like an economic relationship and also like an agreement of land use. And they just happen to be regenerative farmers of cattle, of cows, uh, which I'm personally very interested in. And they're teaching us how they farm and how to farm and what to look for. And also they are in charge in a lot of ways of, you know, making sure the cows get get the minerals they need and the feed they need. They have the tractor. And I don't know what the future holds with that. Maybe we will take over or I think I'm always someone who wants to be in collaboration with folks. 
I can do anything, but I can't do everything. Um, I feel strong with the chickens. We got new baby chicks. They arrived on Halloween. They were mailed to us. They are lavender Orpingtons, like a beautiful gray lavender, and then some white ones. And I'm forgetting what they are. I think buff Orpington. So we're increasing our chickens, and we've got three cows, little teenage guys that try to break our fences, and we've got two old arthritic sheep who are slightly grumpy but getting cuddlier by the day, and then the queen, the grandmother of this land, Lupe the Miniature Donkey. I just created an Instagram account for her. Look up Lupe the Mini Donk. Lupe the mini donk on Instagram if you want to see more about her and follow along with her because she has a lot of fans. And we are the third owners of this land. She has seen more than any of us, her and the bald eagles that hold court over the lake. What was my point? Ah, the farming partners have told us that this mild, these mild winters like warm the earth and then freeze the earth and warm the earth and freeze the earth. And it makes things very messy with grazing animals and also tough for the long-term stability of the ground. And I'm learning and going along as a woman in these modern times of climate change and human transience and modern technology in devotion to easing her own loneliness of belonging through ancestral ways. What a mouthful. What a life mission. So there's snow on the ground today, but it will increase by 30 degrees tomorrow and be raining. And everyone's worried about flooding here. And I love talking about the weather. I think it helps regulate bodies and create connection. I tell you, the coffee shop talk of weather is very exciting. Okay, I digress, except this is exactly what I wanted to share. Okay, I the one of the reasons why I wanted to get back on the podcast is including my story of creating community, starting over in community creation as someone who had a pretty solid hold on community from the place she came to and taking that confidence in my ability to create and cultivate community and testing it in a new place It's my human design to share. I'm a three, five in human design. It's called the great experimenter. I am meant to share my successes and failures so that you can learn from them and I can hear myself and learn from them. So I wanted to give an update on that, but I also want to say I have a lot to share on that um, from my experience and from the people I know and conversations I want to have about space holding, about ritual, about kin keeping about this concept of leadership and community and how I have such an expanded view of what community leadership means to me now. And a lot of us maybe didn't go to college or grad school or grow up or become adults with the concept of wanting to be a capital L leader or having some sort of preconception of what that means, being a leader. And yet I think a lot of us have these moments in life, these ruptures, these rites of passage, these massive radical transitions in life that happen to all human beings, all beings go through transition, right? Talk about this all the time, that invite them into a deeper experience of leadership. I find a big one 
is when becoming parents, when becoming mothers, feeling the absence of the village. There's a very acute, often grief or loneliness-filled experience in becoming a parent in our culture, particularly those of us in Western industrialized nations or family units that are much more hyper-individualized, nuclear family settings, perhaps, there's like a, a fire, a rage of like, oh, wait, this society was not designed to support us and we cannot sit here and allow that to be so. That is a call, a burgeoning of leadership in us or those of us who feel a disconnect from each other, a difficulty in cultivating meaningful adult friendship, a frustration in not going deeper in relationship, ruptures in relationship, betrayal, or a going of separate ways, a desire for counsel, for circle, a desire for something deeper, and a real frustration with the fact that we are all so fucking busy and like an acceptance of that, right? An acceptance of our inboxes we have to respond to, an acceptance of all the activities our kids have to go to, an acceptance of the way we have to show up for work so we can make money. There's an acceptance there of like, well, we can't fully opt out of that. And what do we need? What is like a vital need? It's connection. It's co-regulation. It's community care. That's a calling many of us have into deeper leadership, community leadership in some way. So I want to talk about that way more deeply this season, however long this season of the podcast lasts because I'm so curious about it. And it's something I teach and mentor around now um, with my program Circle Craft, with all the ways I want to support beings like me who are called, truly called into the ways of cultivating belonging in the age of loneliness, in a culture that would often tell us that's not possible. And yet we say, well, we got to figure it out and we've got to usher in a new way of being because the old way of being is harmful and hurts us. And it's just no good. So I'm here for those conversations. And I'm here to share where I'm at with that too. And I'll say, where am I at with community creation here? I've been here four months. Tim and I hired former podcast guest, Sarah Wildman of Our Common, to help us create a vision for the community we want to create and also for what the role we want the farm and the land we're stewarding to play. And it's an evolving vision because we are evolving humans. And we did realize that we need to be here on the land a bit to really see crystal clear. But one of the most important things Tim and I did was sort of codify an agreement that community is an important value to each of us. He is someone who's introverted and was raised with like a, who needs the village? Who needs the community? I can figure it out on my own. And I, while you know my story, I wrote a book about it. I want it. I need it. Community is so important. And it was really important to me as someone in a committed partnership with a child for it to be a family value. And so we worked with Sarah and we came up with our definitions of generosity and even how we like physically would show generosity, like mine is two hands coming from my heart out 
and Tim's was a huge hug enveloping everyone in and just us showing these postures, these physical postures of generosity helped us understand each other better and the gifts each each of us brings to how we want to cultivate and be generous in community here. And then we got here and it has been processing and grief and shock and a little lowercase t trauma supporting Atlas, our child in a major, major transition that she grieved many, many nights, many weeks, welcoming winter, which is a really intense experience when you're in a new place, getting through the holidays, which was super lonely, which I'm not surprised about. I always get kind of melancholy around the winter holidays. And it was like, especially sharp, sharp prick on my skin being in a new place. And what got me through it was next year, baby, (laughs) next year, a house full of people. And we had a check-in call with Sarah a few weeks ago, which was such a beautiful way to remind us of what we're doing here and what we, what we codified together, what we agreed. And also to assign each of each other roles in community creation And so Tim found a men's circle here. Literally, we moved on a Friday that Monday. He went to a men's circle. And I was like, bro, first of all, amazing job. Second of all, you did that before me? What is this magical life? And seeking out fellow fathers, connecting with um, the community that's sort of right in front of us. And he also joined the volunteer firefighter unit here for our village. All of these strategies for community connection, and community weaving. And then my focus has been not rushing off when I see people like at the coffee shop or at drop-off or pick-up at Atlas's preschool, that even though I feel that sort of, I don't know, culturally embedded urgency to like run off and do things, that I can breathe through 30 seconds to five minutes of kind eye contact, of like genuine curiosity of checking in because that sows seeds of connection. And then I'm also, what else can I share about my strategies? Prioritizing families. So prioritizing low pressure, low stakes. Like if a kid starts crying, you can go. If nap time has to happen, you can go. I can go. But consistent like supper nights, coffee walks, like inviting a family over to feed the donkey or asking for us to go on a walk or a potluck. And sometimes people say no. Sometimes people are busy. Sometimes they have other plans. But to keep showing up to consistently reminding folks, not obsessively, but consistently reminding folks that like we're here and this is our interest and this is our intention, which in a small town that definitely isn't entirely community care and village-minded actually way more conservative than I've ever lived in in my life. And I can talk about that in another episode. I find there's a difference between community care and connection versus we take care of our own. That's a really interesting, subtle, but important difference in how some people operate or values that are embedded and how I'm going to disrupt that. (laughs) It's a pretty big task to take on. And I'm in it for the long game and I'm trying to really resource myself during those moments when I may feel rejection or isolation or like everyone's hanging out without me or 
she doesn't like me or wow, they're really, um, they're really individualist minded and I feel threatened and work my somatic practices of breath and movement and soothing because I'm reminding myself that the whole reason we're doing this thing is because we were called to it in a deeper way. And I got to believe we are resourced and supported, ancestrally supported, animistically supported for this task. All right, that's a little update. I have to run to therapy (laughs) and I'm in the practice now of recording when I feel called, when I feel the moment strike and I'll be back. So it's good to be back here. I'd love to hear from you. As always, you can hit me up on Instagram, Becca P. Strelly, and all the show notes are at belongingpodcast.com. Try to remember that. I'm rusty, but I'm getting back into it. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. In a time when our attention is being pulled in so many directions, I feel honored you chose to devote some of yours here with me. If you want to check out show notes or listen to past episodes, go to belongingpodcast.com. And if you like what we talk about here and want to know more, you can subscribe to my newsletter at beccapiastrelli.com. I'll be with you again soon.